the start of this series, here's the message title. This is the start of something big. John chapter one, take your Bibles out, let's go there, John chapter one. We just heard the text on that introductory video. What a beautiful representation of John's introduction to the gospel of Jesus. By the way, just wanna make sure you do this. Spend these next few days praying over that person that you are inviting to Christmas Eve, that you've been praying for to come to Christ. I am trusting that their hearts are gonna be opened more than ever before because of our prayers and because of the season that we're in. So get them to church and we're gonna preach the gospel and hopefully God is gonna change their lives. Amen, amen, amen. And I wanna also say to that end, all locations, listen, thank you, thank you, thank you for your amazing generosity in our For the Sake of the One offering. You guys did the best one week offering in our history. We are well on our way. We are about 60% of where we need to be for retrofitting our Tiverton Fall River location. Uh, we're so grateful for you. You have taken a load off of my shoulders. I just wanna say, if you haven't given yet, there's still time to give. Get your gifts in before the end of the year for tax purposes, if that's you. And I just, a heartfelt thank you from Cheryl and myself. It is a privilege to be your pastor and I thank God for your generosity and I believe God's gonna use that money to save that one. Praise God for him and praise God for you. John chapter one, this is the start of something big. Let's get back into it. You know what we do at Christmas, and, and this is why I'm in the Gospel of John this Christmas. You know what we do at Christmas? We take the little baby Jesus and we put him everywhere. We put him on our mantle. We used to in this country put him on the town square. We used to put him in our school houses. We used to, we used to put him everywhere. But, but we still do it in our, in our Hallmark cards and our Christmas decorations and in our depictions of, of the moment of his birth. And, and every time it's Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the magi, the stable, the manger, the sheep, the goats, the camels, the cows. I mean, everybody's there. It's a big, big old Christmas party. Every year comes around and there he is, center stage, the baby Jesus. It's like this season of the year, we all become Ricky Bobby. How many know what I'm talking about? Remember that movie, Ricky Bobby? He always used to pray to little baby Jesus, little baby Christian Jesus, little baby Jesus, Jesus bless my chicken nuggets, Jesus bless my race today. I mean, all that kind of stuff. We all become Ricky Bobby in December. And I want us to do something this year. I want us to take a look at the man and the Lord and the Savior that that baby became. Because anybody who has a baby knows that they don't stay babies for long, am I right? They don't stay babies for long. And our church has been blessed with a, a lot of births lately, and I, I'm so <clears throat> glad about that, so, so proud of that. So many people even on our staff having babies and making babies, God bless you for that. And some of you are overwhelmed right now because the baby stage is overwhelming. Just wanna tell you, enjoy the baby stage because pretty soon they'll be walking away and talking back. How many know what I'm talking about? Right, so, so listen, enjoy the baby stage. But here's the deal. When it comes to Christmas, we have kept Jesus the baby for 2,000 years around Christmas time. And the reason why is because we usually go to Matthew's gospel or Mark's gospel. And in those two gospels, they talk about his birth. They talk about, they talk about his childhood even. They talk about the, 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 the things and the, and the events that happened around little baby Jesus. But listen, that baby <clears throat> became a man. 
And that man healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out demons, did wonders on the earth. And then that man was arrested, unjustly convicted, put on a cross and died, went into a grave, stayed there three days. And on the third day, he came back to life. And then he just didn't come back to life. He walked and talked with the disciples for 40 days. And at the end of 40 days, he ascended to the right-hand side of God the Father. That baby Jesus is now King Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, amen. He's at the right-hand side of God. And let me tell you something, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of all this discouragement, in the midst of all this depression and loneliness, in the midst of all of our problems with anxiety and drugs and overdosing and death and despair and war and the threats of animosity and hatred and discord, let me tell you something, the King of Kings is coming back again. He is no longer a baby. He is the Lord and Savior who is waiting for the Father to say, Son, go get your church. The time has come. And I want to introduce you to the cosmic Christ. The cosmic Christ. No better place to go than the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Two facts today about John's Gospel, about this passage, before we get into the points. Number one, the Gospel of John is unique. It's unique. There are four Gospels in the Bible. The New Testament starts with Matthew, Mark, see if you can finish, Luke, and John. Now, the first three, Matthew, Mark, Luke, we actually call those the synoptic Gospels. Reason why, because synoptic is a two-part word. Sin meaning similar, or to see the same way, and optic meaning to see. So synoptic means to see the same way. Matthew, Mark, Luke are the synoptic Gospels. And Matthew is written to Jews because it starts off with the genealogy of Jesus that goes back to Abraham. Doesn't go back to Adam, goes back to Abraham. And it goes through David. And Matthew, former tax collector turned follower of Jesus, is trying to tell his fellow Jews that the true son of Abraham, true son of David, is Jesus. Mark, shortest gospel, is kind of like the nightly news edition of Jesus' life. A lot of words like immediately, at once, and, you know, it's fast-paced. It moves from moment to moment quickly. Mark is the Cliff Notes version, if you will, of Jesus' life. Now, Luke's gospel is written to Gentiles, non-Jews. The reason why I know that is because Luke also has a genealogy. You know, and when I say genealogy, I'm talking about Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat the 12, you know, on and on. That's a genealogy. Well, Matthew's genealogy goes back to Abraham. Listen, Luke's genealogy goes back to Adam. And it shows us that Jesus is not just the true son of David, the true son of Abraham. He's also descended of Adam. And that means that he's not just the savior of the Jews. He's the savior of all nations. The book of the, the scriptures, the, the, the last book of the scriptures, Revelation ends with a picture with Jesus on the throne and around him are all the nations of the world because Jesus did not just come to save the Jewish people. Jesus came to save all nations and bring all nations back to God. Now, John's gospel doesn't open like that at all. There's no talk about his birth. There's no talk about his childhood like in Luke's gospel. There's no talk about the angels. There's no talk about the shepherds. There's no talk about the wise men. No, John's gospel 
is talking about Jesus from a cosmic perspective. Look look at the first few words in verses one to three. In the beginning was the word. He was with God. He was God. All things were made by him. Everything was made through him. And on and on it goes. And it it talks about that he's the light of life. and, And all these cosmic representations that Jesus, listen, was not started when he was born in that major. He was the eternal son of God from eternity past who became a man and and died for our sins and rose again. So there's this cosmic uh, picture of Jesus in John's gospel. And I wanna say it like this. Here's the way to look at it. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the picture of Jesus from the earth up. We're looking at Jesus from descendant of Adam, descendant of Abraham. He's the earth up view. Here's what John's gospel is. John's gospel is the picture of Jesus' life from heaven down. It's the picture of Jesus from heaven down. When you wanna get somebody saved, introduce them to the gospel of John. In fact, anytime I meet somebody and they say, what, where should I start reading the Bible? I never tell them Genesis. I never tell them Exodus. And I definitely don't tell them Leviticus. You know what I'm talking about. I tell them the gospel of John. John is the gospel from heaven down. Secondly, the, the writer of John is unique. So his gospel is unique, but, but John himself is unique. You know who John was? John was a former fisherman. He had a brother named James. And he, Peter, Andrew, and James, they were the first four disciples of Jesus. Yeah, and they were, they were changed dramatically through their walking and talking with Jesus. And, and think about this. John was part of the, the inner three. He, he had a backstage pass <clears throat> to all the great moments of Jesus' life. Peter, James, and John, right? So every time Jesus wanted to do something special, he brought Peter, James, and John in there. So of the four gospels, the one guy with the closest, most intimate relationship with Jesus is John. In fact, John goes from the son of thunder who wanted to call down fire on Jesus' enemies in Samaria to the beloved disciple who lays his head on the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper. It means means that he had the closest contact with Jesus. You could say this about John. He was Jesus' closest, most intimate disciple. Peter had his moments of glory, but listen, John had intimacy. He had nearness to the Lord, beautiful picture. And in fact, John calls himself in his gospel, the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's, it's kind of funny. Every time John talks about himself in the gospel of John, he says, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He doesn't say, I, John, doesn't say, I saw. He said, the disciple who Jesus loved. And listen to me, that's not an arrogant statement. And, and he doesn't say the disciple who loved Jesus. And, and it really, he kind of gives us a pattern for how we should, as Christians, refer to ourselves, the people who Jesus loves, not the people who love Jesus. Why? Because we only love him because he first loved us. And listen to me, you never wanna base your relationship with God on your love. You wanna base it on his love because your love is fickle. Your love is good some days and terrible some other days. But God's love is eternal and always the same and consistent and he never stops loving his people. So here we have, look at this, the gospel of John, the cosmic, glorious picture of the eternal son, the word who was with God in the beginning, created all things. 
and, and it's communicated to us through the closest, most intimate disciple of Jesus. So he says in verse 14, which was not read yet, but we'll talk about this on Christmas Eve, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We see, we saw his glory, glory from the only son of the father, full of grace and truth, cosmic beginnings with an intimate transmission through the, through the closeness that John had with Jesus. Here's what I want you to write down in your notes, because this is beautiful. G John teaches us about the cosmic Christ who comes close to us. Oh, what a beautiful picture. The, the God of the universe came close to us. Some people run from God because they're afraid he has only come to judge them. Some people hide from God because, he's, because they think he's always just angry with them. Some people avoid God because they think that he's out to get them. But John wants us to know something. He wants us to know that the God of the universe, the God who invented the solar system and the galaxies, the God who made you, humbled himself and became a baby and got close to us. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you, friend. And listen, this is the best part about Christmas. This is why you need to have a cosmic Christmas experience. Because only this God, only this God can take your life and shape it and change it and transform it and make it what it was meant to be, what it was meant to be. So I got five points and I gave you five points last week and you gave so much money over the offering, I decided let me give you two extra points this week again, all right? So five points about who Jesus is from the Gospel of John chapter one and then we're done. Point number one, listen, write this down. Jesus is the great restarter. And I know that might not be good English, but it's a great point. Jesus is the great restarter. Look at how John starts. John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning. Say those three words, in the beginning. Okay, so in the beginning was the word. The word we're gonna get to the word in just a moment, but we're only gonna get to in the beginning so far. Now, there's another book in the Bible where the book starts out with the phrase, in the beginning. What book is that? The first book of the Bible. That's the, that's the most <laughs> obvious place to put that line. And so the Bible opens with in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. What John is doing here is he is totally and unashamedly plagiarizing Genesis chapter one, verse one. Why? Because he's trying to tell us something about who Jesus is. Listen to me. In the beginning, God created everything. Then he created man and woman, put them in the garden to live with him in perfect peace and harmony for all eternity. That was God's original plan. But everything went badly quickly. You only have to get three chapters in. Chapter three, this talking snake shows up and our first father, Adam, blows it. He gives up paradise to talk to a talking snake and he follows his wife into sin 
And that's how we get the crisis that we're in today. That's how we get disease. That's how we get plagues. That's how we get hatred. That's how we get racism. That's how we get jealousy, envy, pride, arrogance. That's how we get all the things that destroy human life because that's what sin does. Sin brings death. Sin brings separation. Sin brings the, t- the terrible experiences of the human condition. And I wanna just tell you something. Anything that you feel pain over, I'm telling you the ultimate root of that pain is man's disobedience of God in the garden. That was our first beginning. And we all know this now. We have a long history of human sin behind us. How many remember, it was about five, six years ago, maybe even a little bit longer, when everybody was chasing down their roots. Remember this? There was big, big movement in our country about finding your ancestry. Ancestry.com, 23andMe. Everybody's sending their spit in the mail to all these companies. Tell me who I'm from, right? And then there was a guy named Robert Louis Gates, and he started a show called Finding Your Roots. And and, and suddenly all that talk about finding your roots has kind of tampered down, hasn't it? Nope, nobody wants to know why. Well, that's because of the last 20 months. That, that, that's because of all the racism and all that stuff that we've been exploring and we've been exposed to the reality that our history is no better than our present. In fact, it might be worse. Maybe it started with Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck went on that show with Robert Louis Gates and he found out that his ancestors owned slaves. And then there was a report a couple of months ago about Joe Biden, President Joe Biden's ancestors owned slaves. Nobody talked about it. Didn't make the news. Why? Because we don't want to talk about the sins of our history. We don't want to talk about our origins and how bad and how disjointed they are. And, and, and it's not reported because we like to avoid it like as if we're innocent and they were wrong. No, 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 listen, here's what the Bible tells us. We're all wrong, we're all corrupt and we've got a long history of corruption behind us. In fact, my sister, she actually did the thing. I didn't do it, but my sister did. And so since she's my sister, I think I can trust her results. She got back her report of her ancestry. Turns out we are 32nd cousins to Marie Antoinette. Yeah, Marie Antoinette, the French out-of-touch queen who said famously, let them eat cake, known for her extravagances and bad leadership. Yeah, she, she'd fit right into our current Congress. You know what I'm talking about. Here's a picture of Marie Antoinette behind me here on the screen. We'll put this right up. That's her. I don't know if you can see, I don't know if you can see a resemblance. Maybe if we just made a little bit of an adjustment to it, we'll make a resemblance now. There we go. I, I don't know about you. I definitely see a little bit of me. And Marie, amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, here's the point. We all come from a long line of human history and the Bible makes no bones about it. No bones about it. The Bible is filled with the story of human mess. It starts with Adam and Eve, then it goes to Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. Then it goes down to uh, Noah. Noah who saves the world through the ark and then he's saved from the ark and Right afterwards, he gets drunk and he passes out naked in his tent. And then Abraham commits adultery with his wife's assistant. And on and on the story goes of human failure and human failure. No cover-ups, the Bible presents. No whitewashing of human history at all. It's on display for all of us to see. And it's all there to show us that no amount of laws and no amount of miracles And no amount of leaders from among men can change our hearts. There's something that has to happen. Here's what it is. Are you ready for it? We need a new beginning.
We need, as John chapter three will tell us, to be born again. Yeah, we need Jesus in the beginning. What is John saying? That what Jesus came to do was to give you a fresh start. What, what, what are you looking at right now in your life? What mess have you arrived to that you think, I, I don't understand how I got here. Can I tell you today that Jesus wants to give you a fresh start? What are you looking at in your future? You're worried, you're scared, you're not sure. Let me just tell you something. Jesus wants to give you a fresh start. And by the way, even if you're a Christian, good news, in this moment, you could have a fresh start. Confess your sins, he forgives your sins, and he cleanses you of all your unrighteousness. The scripture says that his mercies are new every morning. The scripture says in Romans 5 that where where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And that's what Jesus came to do, give you a new beginning. Hey, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it like this. If anyone is in Christ, by the way, that's a big if right there. If you are in Christ, believing in Christ, trusting in Christ, repenting of your sin, turning to him, it says you're a new creation. It says the old has passed away. The new has come. Jesus is the great restart of your life. Point number two, write this down. Jesus is the great communicator. He's the great communicator. In the beginning, look at this next line, was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now look, just think about that word, word. What is a word? A word is a form of communication. That's what Jesus is. Jesus is God's communication to you. Here, here's, here's the point. He wants to talk to you. And, and by the way, listen, he wants to talk to you daily. When the disciples said, teach us how to pray, Jesus said, here's how you pray. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, I want you to talk to me every day. And here's the best part. He doesn't just want us to talk to him. Look, he wants to talk to us. John chapter 15 He'll say it later. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words, my communication abides in you, let his word live in you. That's what abide means. If you live in me and my words live in you, and look at this, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, that's not giving us permission to ask for a million dollars. It's not asking for the death of our enemies. When, When his word abides in us, our hearts are changed to want what he wants and he gives us what he wants to give us. And he says, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Listen, here's what God wants. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to talk to you. Too many people treat God as if he's a ritual. Go to church on Sunday, visit God, go to the rest of the week, do my thing. Or we only show up to God, the big moments, that's when we need God, big moments, birth, marriage, death. So we talk to him when we're hatched, matched, and dispatched. Come on, somebody. (laughs) No, 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 he wants a daily relationship. And it doesn't matter what you're struggling with. And it doesn't matter where you come from. And it doesn't matter what you look like. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you, what, what mistakes happened in your past. He's the restarter who wants to now talk to you and communicate with you. Can I tell you that every good thing comes into your life through the word of God. Every good thing, look at this. Forgiveness is found in his word. Write it down. Forgiveness 
is found in his word. The scripture says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not condemned this morning. I'm not condemned today if I'm in Christ Jesus because he's forgiven me of all my sins. How do I know? His word, his communication told me. By the way, in John chapter eight, they'll bring a woman caught in the act of adultery and he says, I don't condemn you. I won't condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. He's the God who sets you free from your sins in the past. Number two, under this point, strength is found in his word. Write that down. Strength is found in his word. Joshua 1.8, be strong for the Lord your God is with you. All over the Bible, God is telling us to have faith, don't fear. 365 times, in fact, the Bible tells us do not fear. Why? Because God wants you to be strong and bold and know that he's always with you. Write this down. Next one, faith is found in his word. How many of you need some faith? You're just lacking little doubts in your life. Well, the scripture says in Romans 10, 17, through the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. You wanna grow in faith? Read and get into the scriptures. Write this next one down. Peace is found in his word. Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. And notice those two next words, my peace. Not the world's peace, my peace I give to you. Write this next one down. Cleansing comes from his word. He wants to clean you through the teaching of his word. This word cleanses your conscience. You know what the Bible says about itself? It's his light. And here's what light does. It purifies. Even ultraviolet lights, we know, um, kill germs and bacteria and viruses. And God's word kills the germ of sin, the stain of guilt, the, 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 the corruption of sin and iniquity. And our shame and guilt are washed away through the word. Ephesians 5.25 says, Jesus gave up his life for the church to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Write this next one down. Healing comes from his word. Healing. You want your heart healed? Listen to the word of Jesus. You want your body healed? Get in touch with the word of Jesus. You live by this word, it'll give you strength to your bones. Psalm 107, 20 says, he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. Listen to me very carefully. I'm just summing this up, that this word, Jesus, is God's communication to you. He wants to talk to you daily. Point number three, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus is the great coordinator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the great coordinator. Now, I get this point again from verse one. So it's gonna be a repeat of the verse, but a different take on the verse. So verse one says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Now, the word that is translated word from the original language that the New Testament was written in, in Greek, is the word logos, L-O-G-O-S. We would, we would spell that L-O-G-O-S, L-O-G-O-S in English. And it's the word for word in Greek. Now, this word logos is a very powerful word. Word. And it's important because this is what John is trying to communicate to us. In, in the Greek and Stoic philosophies of John's day, they believed that there was a universal principle that ordered and governed all of the universe. They called that the Logos. So they believed that there was this 
principle behind everything. The reason why life has some semblance of order and repetition and cycles that, that kind of just stayed in place was because of, according to the Stoic philosophers of John's day, because of the Logos. Well, John says, listen, this thing that you call the Logos became a person. I met him. Now, even non-believers believe that there's an order to the universe. In fact, it's one of the great baffling realities of science. This is why science always leads us back to God, because the more we study, the deeper we understand that we don't know, and there's so much mystery to it, and what's behind it, we can't understand. And I'm telling you, that's why he became flesh, so that we could understand what governs all the universe. And now everybody has this idea. In fact, there is, <clears throat> there is a universal belief in this, and I want to tell you, I want to show you this even from our modern vernacular. There is a phrase in our modern American vernacular that if I start the phrase, you're going to finish the phrase. You want to try it? Let's, let's try this. I'm going to start a phrase, and I guarantee you're going to be able to finish the phrase. Ready? May the force be with you, right? Okay, that's from George Lucas, Star Wars, because George Lucas believed that there was this universal guiding force that ordered everything. And then, then he got really crazy with the prequel movies, talking about the midichlorians and all that kind of nonsense. But here's the deal. What, what, what George Lucas believed in or, 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 or produced in American vernacular is actually hijacked, kind of, off of the reality that there is a universal order to the universe. But listen, unlike what George Lucas says, which he borrows from Hinduism and Buddhism, from it, Jesus is not a principle that governs the universe, he's a person that governs the universe. He's the logos. Let me, let me talk about another word we get in English from logos, logic. Logic. What is logic? Logic is the things that make sense, the things that come together. Oh, that's logical, right? Jesus is the one who makes life make sense. Oh, amen. He's the ordering principle of all that we see. By the way, this is why I don't ever get worried about climate. This is why I don't ever get worried about storms and floods. By the way, this is nothing new. They've been happening since time began. And any human who says they have the answer to this stuff is trying to act like God. The fact of the matter is, this has always been here. But I don't get alarmed because I know who orders the universe. And even if one of the disorienting, disordered realities of sin should take my life, a storm, a hurricane, a tornado, even if that happens, I know that he will take my life and bring it right to be with him. I have no fear of death, perfect peace, because my life makes sense in Jesus. Second thought about this Lagos, last thought. I've given you two, so this is the third. The Logos word, actually, we apply it to all kinds of sciences. When we say biology, bio is the Greek word for life, or Latin word for life, and logos, logi, means to talk or word. So the talk about life, that's what biology is. Theology, talk about God. Uh, sociology, talk about science. It's an understanding. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. What John is introducing us to is this. Jesus is the logos, the 
coordinator of your life. And this is why, ladies and gentlemen, in our culture right now, people are freaking out over everything. Fearful of everything. I mean, fear is on the rise. Anxiety is on the rise. Why? It's, it's not a coincidence that as our levels of fear and anxiety have risen, our levels of faith as a culture have dramatically decreased. In fact, I read an article this past week that says the fastest faith group in American uh, culture is the no faith group. The people who have no faith in anything. Isn't it amazing that the further we walk as a culture away from faith, the more we walk in fear. This is why people have literally freaked out over a virus with a 99.7% survival rate. This is why entire school systems shut down because of a thing that has, a, has a less of a chance of killing a child than a car accident. Let me say bluntly, let me say as strong as I can, if you don't know the Logos, Jesus Christ, you have every reason to fear and to live in anxiety. But if you know him, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a relationship with the Logos, Jesus Christ, you can have confidence and security knowing that he's gonna work it all out for your good. In fact, that's what Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. He's the Logos. He's the coordinator of your life who brings it all together and manufactures a good word for you. Point number four, write this down. Jesus is the great producer. He's the great producer. Now, I get this from uh, verse three. Look at this, it says, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. This is John's way of saying, everything came from Jesus. The planets came through the Logos, Jesus Christ. The sun came through Jesus. He was the one who was with God in the beginning and creating with God the Father in the beginning. And remember, Scripture says that God created the worlds through the breath of his mouth, Psalm 33, verse six, and through his word, Genesis chapter one. So all that we see is made through Jesus. Now guess what that means? That means he made you. He is the producer of your life. Psalm 139, verse 13 says, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Acts chapter 17, verse 25 says, he gives life to all mankind and breath and everything. In entertainment, they say that there's a producer to the movie, there's a producer to the play. In other words, there's someone behind the play who came up with the idea and put all the parts together and produces the play or the movie or the production. He's the one who put the screenwriter in charge. He's the one who casted the actors. He's the one who put the casting director and the cinematography director all in place and produced the event. Let me tell you something. Jesus is the producer of your life. He's the one behind the scenes. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just say, if you don't know him, 
your life will never make sense. Your life will be a cataclysmic play, full of chaos and disorder. No one doing what they should be doing. No one speaking the right lines. But when Jesus is your producer, not just materially, but spiritually, he puts it all together. He draws the script properly. He writes it all out and he patterns your life according to his plan. And I'm just telling you, if you don't know Jesus, your life's gonna be disordered. Your life's gonna be chaotic. If you know Jesus, he's gonna bring order. He's gonna bring direction. He's gonna bring screenwriting into that play of your life so that you can look back and say, my life was good. And when you get to heaven, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Colossians chapter 1, 16, I love this verse. It says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or rulers, or authorities. And look at this last line, look at it. All things were created, what? Through him and what? For him. Oh man, I love that because it says, not only did he make all things, but he made all things through Jesus and for Jesus. I want you to write something down because it's a key idea from that verse alone. Write this down. My life is God's idea, moves forward by God's design, and is intended for God's glory. Yeah, that, that's the production that Jesus wants in your life. Finally and lastly, number five, Jesus is the great illuminator. Jesus is the great illuminator. And as the keys come up and start to play some music as we close this message, I wanna tell you what Jesus is. He's the one who brings light to your life. John chapter one, verse four. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. What do we do when we first see light? You ever, you ever wake up out of a, a sound sleep or, or someone just flicks the light on? You, uh, you're waking up and someone flicks the light, someone does something nasty. They just flick the light on or, or roll the shades up and suddenly light just shines through the room. What do you do? You go, ah, ah. First, you're, just, you're starting to adjust and, and sometimes listen. That's what it's like to come to faith in God. The light shines on you. And at first you're like, ah. Now there are two responses. There are two responses. And Jesus talks about this in John chapter three. Here are the two responses, verse 19. He says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Look at this. And people love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their works were evil. But then he says in verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light lest his works be exposed. Verse 21, but whoever does what is true comes to the light. In other words, there's two responses to Jesus Christ. And this is, way, this is why, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't even matter if you're a believer. All of history is broken in half by Jesus Christ. B.C., AD, and let me tell you something else. All humanity is divided by Jesus Christ. Those who hate him and reject him and those who love him and accept him. Why? Because he's the light and he exposes us and he shows us, listen very carefully here. He exposes that we're sinners, that we don't have what it takes to get to heaven on our own. 
And there's two responses to that. The first response is to run and hide, to go jumping into the bushes like Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. And the second response is to open your heart and come into the light. And not only let him expose it, let him cleanse it. Let him wash away your sins. You see, my friends, Jesus doesn't come to expose you, to mock you or criticize you or condemn you. He comes into the light to wash you clean and make you new. C.S. Lewis famously said, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Look, if you want your life to have a fresh start, if you want your life to have the communication, the word that God wants to speak into it, if you want your life to have the coordination and the production and the illumination of God, listen to me very carefully. Come to Jesus Christ, the cosmic one, the creator of all things who became a baby and came close to us so that we could receive forgiveness of sins and fellowship with God and one another. In sum, listen to me. I want you to write this down. If I want a new start to life with purpose, I must come into his light, have, his sin, have my sins forgiven, and my life will be directed in the guiding light of God. That's, that's the sermon. That's a sermon in a sentence. If I, if I want a new start to life with purpose, I must come into his light, have my sins forgiven, and my life will be directed in the guiding light of God. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you something. This book is the light of God given to you so that you don't have to grope about in the darkness anymore so you can have your feet firmly planted on solid ground that is found in Jesus Christ. And you can walk with him and you can talk with him and you can know that no matter what comes against you and what comes at you, cannot separate you from the one who made you. That, my friends, is what Christmas is really all about.